1: From Wall
2: Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. Join us during the week, Fox Business. 4 p.m., 4 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. Name the show's Kudlow. Please join us. If you can't join us, call up a 9-year-old to DVR it so you'll never miss a show. And you will see, live and in color, Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, Hill columnist, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and author of Govzilla, How the relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedom. Welcome back, kids. Liz Peake, remember that old Dion Warwick song, what the world needs now is love. So I'm paraphrasing. What the world needs now is an excess profits tax. on.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: That's oh what the world gosh. needs now, and that's what 10 or 12 Democrats are out there saying, and that's what Joe Biden warned everybody uh, mm-hmm. on Friday or Thursday. X, don't you dare gas prices and have excess profits, right? We need that, yeah, what the world I- needs now. You know, I just
0: don't think Americans are that stupid. I think they look at the energy policies of this administration and they are aghast. The idea that we're not doing everything possible to ramp up U.S. oil and gas production, even as our diplomats are fanning out across the globe, to beg uh, anti-American hostile regimes like Venezuela and Iran for more oil, it is absolutely incredible. And, yes, you can talk, you know, you can go back to Joe Biden's, blaming meat processors, blaming blaming this industry and that for inflation. And now, of course, it's energy companies. And Elizabeth Warren is right there clapping like a seal, hoping we get a windfall profits tax. (laughs) It is just beyond bizarre. I kind of loved it.
2: It Oh, my gosh. This is kind of like right on cue. Go, Liz Warren. Yes. Excess profits. Right. That's just really screw the oil and gas companies.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's a winning message, Larry. I think Americans (laughs) want to see some constructive action taken to lower uh, the price of gasoline. I was just looking at a a piece from an investor group who said every penny of increased gasoline prices is a billion-and-a-half-dollar tax on the American people. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if I can back that up, but, I mean, that's a pretty stunning number, right?
2: Yeah, but, Steve Moore, you know – that this inflation problem is caused by Vladimir Putin. You know that. Hmm. President so, Biden told you know, us it, that, Madam Saki told us that with great emphasis. This is the Putin inflation. Biden has nothing to do with it, Steve.
1: Yeah, the problem that I think the White House has right now just in terms of their messaging is it's like um it's like that um they this it's, it's one day they love the oil and gas industry and the next they hate it, you know, it's like what day is this the week? Because on the, on the one hand, they're saying, oh, we're doing everything we can to increase oil and gas production, which obviously is a lie. And then they say, oh, by the way, we want to slap the, uh, the industry with a, with a new tax. So um, I, the problem they face, too, Larry, is I mentioned this on your TV show the other day. Even if Joe Biden said announced tomorrow, which he should, look, we're going to go all in on you know <laughs> what Liz was talking. We're going to produce all the oil and gas and energy we can. The, the industry doesn't trust him. Yeah. They're not going to go out. And they invest, wouldn't believe it. They're not going to. <laughs> yeah, they don't believe him because when you when you're the, a president who said I want to bankrupt the oil and gas industry, are they going to then go out and invest you know billions and billions of dollars in, in new rigs? So when when uh, when uh, Jim Pisaki's out there saying, oh, we've got you know eight thousand rigs that are on drilling, well, that's because you're trying to screw them every time they drill. They drill. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: it's true. You know, Liz and.
2: In the world tour of rogue, terrorist, America-hating, oil-producing countries like Iran and Venezuela, I came up with one that actually is friendly to us, and that's Alberta, Canada.
0: (laughs) Now, we still have
2: friendly relations with Canada, I think. And um, so when Saki said the other day that the Keystone Pipeline doesn't matter and all pipelines don't matter, because they just distribute oil. They don't actually produce oil. And I was thinking, yeah, really. So if you're milking a cow, and all you do is let the milk fall to the barn floor, that's what she's describing. Oh, wait a minute, you have to transport it to customers to help them. They don't understand that. I mean, that's really a sick thing, that you don't need pipelines because the pipelines don't produce oil. All they do is transport the oil. Now, that's just the stupidest darn thing I've ever heard. I mean, that's a new low.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think, honestly, if you lined up 10 top Democrat and maybe even some Republican legislators and officials and asked them about the energy industry, you'd find some truly wackadoodle answers, uh, including that one that you're mentioning. But, for example, let's talk about a pipeline that is existing that is not full, and that's the Aliasca pipeline. It is sitting there ready to transport oil From Alaska, where, by the way, there are billions of barrels of oil yet to be produced, and it is not full. It's not even close to being full. Why? Because there are uh, tremendous reserves that have been discovered that are waiting for permits to basically produce that oil. Because Mm -hmm. once you discover oil, you also have to drill wells to produce it, and they're not coming out. I mean, the whole premise that this administration has not stepped on U.S. oil and gas production is a lie, as Steve said. Uh, but it's complicated. And so, you know, the GOP just has to keep hammering home that we're going to Tehran instead of Texas. That is a very winning message. And moreover, it is true.
1: Let let me make one other quick point. And I just have one thing to what Liz was just saying. So there's another component to this, which let's say you're a green. Let's say you think climate change is going to destroy the planet and we've got, you know, there's an urgency and there's an existential threat. I'm not there, but you know many people I respect are. So, if you really care about climate change, the worst possible thing you can do is reduce American oil and gas. We have, by far, Larry, by far, the most uh, stringent environmental regulations. So when we stop producing oil and gas here and then get it from Russia and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, you're doing so much damage to the to the environment. You're, you're actually yeah. increasing the amount of greenhouse gases. So as, as one of my friends, Tom Pyle, with the Institute. For energy research, who's the world's expert on energy? Said, "The single thing we could do to reduce greenhouse gases is move all oil and gas production to the United States." You know, Cynthia Lummis. We're doing the opposite. We're doing the
2: opposite. uh, Cynthia Lummis was on the show last Saturday. Senator Lummis from Wyoming, and she made that point. She, the United States produces the cleanest natural gas. Russia has very dirty natural gas. Exactly. And so we should export every ounce of LNG. Um but Liz I want to come back to this other matter it's Vladimir Putin's inflation problem. Yeah,
0: well yeah again I, I just don't think people are buying that um and 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 it's not true I mean I think someone has looked at if you look at the numbers it's about a, a dollar of Biden and 75 cents of Putin if you want to get sort of technical <laughs> uh but you know That's I, good. I think I
1: That's think what's good.
0: happened is over the last several months uh I mean obviously the White House messaging, to use a horrible word, on inflation has been confusing. It has been deflecting. They have not yet really owned up to the idea that under their watch, inflation went from arguably nothing, one and a half percent or so, to basically now we're at eight, nine, ten percent, And that all happened before the war. I mean, it's not all about oil and gas. It's all about everything. It's about rents, because what is the Fed doing still buying mortgage-backed bonds as house prices go through the roof? I have no idea. And I have to say, I've not heard Jay Powell give really a good explanation for that. Food prices are up. Uh, You know, appliance prices are up. Yes, some of it is definitely bottlenecks at the ports and so forth, about which we have done, from what I can see, very little. Uh, But it is just you know, increased spending, too many people not working. I think probably at the end of the day, Larry, that's the most insidious mm-hmm. uh negative impact on our economy right now, mm-hmm. the fact that there are still so many bodies not working. And the Democrats, they're in you know, I was looking today at sort of a series of Democrat proposals. Is there a single one that does not call for the federal government to subsidize Americans? I mean, it's sort of like can't they come up with anything other than just handouts? Because that seems to be the entire kind of backbone of their energy, I mean, of their policy playbook. And it's really damaging
2: right now. That's Joe Manchin's best, biggest and best point, Liz. And you know who else is making that point? Rick Perry. Rick Perry. I'm sorry. Rick Scott. Senator Rick Scott. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you're right. That's a, I mean, uh, Phil Graham started this uh, – you want to you know improve the economy, curb inflation, pause spending, and welfare reform to restore workfare. Yeah, those were the two biggest things. I mean, I would add Federal Reserve, but you know that's a big thing. And and Steve, the other on the sh- on the TV show this week, Rick Perry had a great one. You know, talking about uh, Liz's point about Iran and Venezuela and all these dictators and rogue states and terrorists that hate us. Um, Perry suggested that the White House uh, send a special envoy to Midland, Texas, (laughs) to develop a peace treaty with the oil and gas industry. I just love that. I can't get that. And I said you could have a junior special envoy go to Alberta, Alaska. I mean, they are our allies. In fact, even Mexico is our ally. We don't, have to, we don't have to go to Venezuela, which is, right, financed by Russia and the places run by the Cuban uh, Secret Service. I mean, we don't have to do this. They're doing this. This is the craziest stuff I've ever seen. Let's take a quick break. Take a quick break. I want to talk about the latest Wall Street Journal poll. And I want to ask why Steve Moore is so much in favor of this um, omnibus spending bill that was just passed by the uh, Congress with earmarks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Much more to do. With Liz Peek and Steve Moore. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're here with Liz Peek and Steve Moore. And I want to go to Steve Moore. $1.5 trillion omnibus spending bill. And, of course, it's not financed except it'll be financed by the fed but eight billion some odd worth of earmarks Steve Moore. i <laughs> yeah. thought we and by the way had a lot of repel i think there were 30 republicans that voted against it but but that left almost 20 that voted in favor of it i thought we had killed earmarks what happened here
1: yeah how did they come back that's a great question um by the way, the a little the backstory of this bill is kind of interesting. It it really describes why we call Washington the swamp, and it's that um, Richard Shelby, who's the chairman, the ranking Republican on the uh, on the uh, Senate Appropriations Committee, which does the spending. And I, by the way, I like I've, I've always liked Richard Shelby, but. Mm-hmm. He's retiring after and between between him and uh, Pat Leahy, I think they've got about 100 years in Congress. They're both about 90 years old. And so this was a going away present to (laughs) Richard Shelby, you know. And I thought, why don't they just give him a gold watch or something? You know? and so, <laughs> a you, nice Rolex paying. for thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> They're paying hundreds and billions of dollars as a going-away present, so that he can get you know all these programs in Alabama. It, it is a disgrace. I think the one thing that could really you know, hurt Republicans because they're looking at a monster election in November is if people just kind of throw up in their hands and say, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Democrats or Republicans. They're both, you know, pox on both of their houses. So I think Republicans have to become the anti big government party. And boy, this bill is anything but that.
2: Yeah, I mean, Liz, if, if you if you take as your baseline Newt Gingrich's big government socialism, what you have here is a conspiracy. I mean, you've got and so you know you're talking about eight percent inflation plus deficit spending is a big part of this inflation story. And here they go again: This bill is unfinanced. I didn't hear anybody yeah. talk about funding this bill, funding it, mind you. Bad enough what Steve just said, and all the roads in Alabama are going to be paved with gold. So yeah. I, agree, I agree with him. But, you know, nobody talked about financing this at a time when inflation is is very high.
0: You know, it, I think it's really awful. It's just awful governance. And, it, I mean, among other insults to the American taxpayers, the fact that it's a 2,700-page bill that was delivered hours before they were supposed to vote on it, nobody has really read the thing. I've not yet been able to find, maybe Steve has, Uh, the actual bill so that you could actually go through it and look at what's in there. Uh, This is offensive. It's irresponsible. But, Larry, we're not surprised. And to Steve's point, at some point, unfortunately, Republicans do not do enough to push back on this stuff. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, they are forever scarred by being— chastised for shutting down the government how many years ago is that i can't remember but the main issue here seemed to be an absolute aversion and terror about shutting down the government and the fact that the gop might be held accountable for that so there is no backbone there's no um willingness to really kind of uh bring the you know public opinion down on your head and to some degree in an election year i get that because right now as steve said this could be a monster election for republicans why infuriate voters by going out and saying, no, we're not going to pass this bill. We're going to shut down, I don't know, the Vietnam War Memorial or something. Uh, you know, is that's going to ruin everybody's day and we'll be blamed. But really, this, this reeks. And the fact that they brought back earmarks uh, and that some of these earmarks are such completely idiotic purposes, you know, I don't think they'll last. Because I think if we get a Republican Congress, maybe – you know, voters will really kind of make their voice heard and say, no, we don't like this. We don't like all this special favoritism. But I wouldn't count on
2: it. I'd say that's a maybe. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. The thing is, though, Stephen, nobody ever raised the issue of pay-fors. So when it was Biden's $2 trillion uh, a year ago or the BBB, which would have been about $5 trillion CBO score, you know pay fors, the lack of pay fors was a big issue, a very big issue. Like Joe Manchin stood on that issue, you know, as did a lot of Republicans. So the pay for is the Federal Reserve buying the bonds, printing more money, and throwing more cash into the economy. So this bill, one and a half trillion dollars, I know the shiny object was Ukraine uh, thirteen or fourteen billion, and I'm personally fine with that. But why they need to talk about pay-fors, this is why I'm so pessimistic about inflation. This will not end well in Biden's Washington, Steve Moore. This inflation, which is contributed to by deficit spending and monetary uh, expansion and cutting off the supply of oil and gas when we need it most, this will not end well, kids.
1: I'm telling you. I agree. Yeah, there was one piece of interesting development with this bill, which is the Republicans did make one valiant stand where they said, look, if you want, I think they wanted $20 billion more for COVID, even though COVID is basically mm. gone. And the Republicans quite correctly said to the Democrats, OK, you know, you've got $100 billion from the $4 trillion we've already spent on COVID that you haven't spent. You know, you've got to take this $20 billion from from that money or find other offsets. And the Democrats were infuriated that Republicans should would, you know, require them to pay for something. And so after they made this big point about, oh, all these people are going to die if we don't get, you know, this extra $20 billion for COVID treatments, the Democrats decided, oh, what, well, you know what, we'll, we'll kill this because we can't find anything else in the budget. Out of a $6 trillion budget, <laughs> they couldn't find, you know, a $20 billion. And, you know, so now, I mean, and they just, it's, it's so outrageous. We have increased our budget, folks. From I think it was like four trillion dollars uh, before COVID, and now we're up to like seven trillion. And they, they we should be cutting every government program by about ten percent right now, and but they're doing just the opposite. Let's pick what.
2: Uh, this is an honest question. What's the most expensive Rolex watch? Do you think there is?
0: Huh, I have no idea. I'm so, sure there's one for over a hundred grand. Yeah. But so say, he,
2: say right. So say they're a hundred grand. So if you give it Shelby. A hundred grand Rolex watch, and you've given uh, 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 Leahy a hundred. So that would be 200 grand worth of Rolex watches for retirement, and you you would have saved $1.4 trillion. It would have been a good swap, and the public might have applauded their service. Think it, of that. It is, this is a whole new approach to budgeting and fiscal policy.
0: I, I agree. And remember that all these cities and states that got all that money out of the American Rescue Plan, $350 billion, there's so much money floating around. <laughs> right. I have no idea where it's gone. And they by the way, none as it. anyone else.
2: They can't spend it. I know that. The Maya McGinnis Group keeps saying this. $800 billion was unspent. Nobody yeah. knows where that money went. It's extraordinary. But we're fighting and fighting. Fl- Okay.
0: And by the way, I wish someone – does anyone even know what the money – I'm for the money going to Ukraine, too, but I don't know what it's going for. I mean, has anyone actually described that? Honestly, it's as though they don't think taxpayers deserve to know. Uh, And the whole open the books uh, kind of program and and movement, I don't know what ever happened to that. I mean, the books are not open. They're really quite closed, it seems to me.
2: Yeah, we had uh – Bill Haggerty was on, Senator Haggerty, so he's on the Senate Appropriations Committee. And it was the day after the House passed the bill, and I asked him. I didn't even know he was on appropriations. And he said they had no committee votes, no hearings yeah. whatsoever, and no documents. He didn't ha- He said, "I hear it's, I hear it's 3,000 pages, but there's no document. And then the next day they passed it in the Senate. I mean, come yeah. on. That's, That's irresponsible, so Larry.
0: If if you had a corporation and your budget guy came in and and basically f- presented that to the CEO and uh, the board was supposed to pass it without any documentation, you'd be fired instantly. Yes. I mean, yes. it is. It, we we don't expect enough of our legislators. We don't even ask much of our legislators. I mean, Americans have become so roll over and let it happen. Uh, minded that, you know, to Steve's point, people are just shrugging their shoulders. It's like today there was an article in the Journal about Biden's rule on contractors and the fact oh, that they're yes. going to change the contractor rules yes. to make every single project more expensive. This from a president who keeps telling us he's doing everything to bring costs down for unionization. Doing,
2: Steve yeah, Moore. I mean, it's are all about there?
0: paying off big labor, paying yeah. off this group and that group. It is. You know, there is just sort of essential corruption in our government, and I hate to sound negative about it, but right now I really feel negative about it. This was a sham and, and a disgrace.
2: Steve Moore, this is Davis Bacon to the third power. That's what they're doing. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I just want to add one other point. You know, the left has a, got a big campaign right now to get people to trust Government, you know, more. This is the idea. You know, we have to trust our institutions and authorities. But I'm really? thinking proud it. Yeah, the last two years, everything they said about COVID was wrong. You know, they're passing these massive spending bills. The public is just so disgusted. How, why would anyone trust government to do anything right now, uh, given the way that Congress and the administration have acted? So uh, it's, it's, uh, and, and I'm going to say one other quick thing because I'm just really worried, Larry. I don't know if you are about. A kind of crash landing with this economy right now, because when you see this kind of inflation, mm-hmm. it is going to put a huge, huge dent in the incomes, mm-hmm. real incomes, and purchasing power of people. And uh, you know, our friend Larry Lindsey says now there's a fifty-fifty chance of mm-hmm. a of a recession in the next few there's months. No, so what, where, are you, where are you on that? When you, I think this
2: will not end well. It will Me too. End badly. You know, Liz, down through the years, Wall Street always talks about a soft landing, but never, never sees one. Never, never, happened, never Larry. sees one. Yeah. And that is a big problem. Anyway, Liz Peak, Steve Moore, love, love. Terrific stuff, folks. Steve Moore, you better campaign against these earmarks. Folks, <laughs> I'm Larry Kudlow. Join us on Fox Business, 4 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, and we'll be back next weekend on the radio.